Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. On a Monday, July 31st, 2023, the last day of July, and the Feast of a Great Saint. We'll discuss him a little bit later on the program. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Hope you're doing well. Can't believe August kicks off tomorrow, and so does World Youth Day. Yep, it is a big day, a big week. And, of course, stay tuned to EWTN for great coverage coming from Portugal. They'll have all the latest and, of course, all of our different outlets, such as EWTN News Nightly, In-Depth, Raymond Royals, World Over. Oh, my goodness. On and on and on. The Register, CatholicNewsAgency.com. And you can find all that. All those links can be found at our main site of EWTN.com. And then in a couple of weeks, we have the family celebration, which is the weekend of August 26th. And you don't want to miss that either. And that'll be carried live on EWTN. But hopefully you can get there because it really is a beautiful event, very uplifting and encouraging, as you heard Deb Cowden say last week on this program. So all of that can be checked out, of course, on the homepage of EWTN.com. Coming up in the program today, speaking of EWTN, EWTN Radio, we are going to be talking to Catholic Answers staff apologist Joe Hershmeyer, Heshmeyer, excuse me, talking about the Eucharist and a new book regarding the Eucharist, a beautiful new Eucharistic book. And this ties in directly with the, the Eucharist Congress coming up, of course, next summer in 2024. So Catholic Answers has joined the effort with an important book talking about the Eucharist is really Jesus. So we'll talk about that at 9.15. At 9.39 Eastern Time, as I mentioned, we are going to be taking a look at St. Ignatius of Loyola and connecting it, interestingly enough, to St. Francis. And I'll explain why in this segment. And also going a little bit more deeply into the Holy Father's message yesterday the audience message, obviously, about the gospel and the pearl of great price. And there's a lot of insights into what the Pope was saying in connection with a lot of our great saints, including St. Francis and St. Ignatius. And tying those two together because they were both soldiers before they turned their lives around, of course, and became soldiers for Christ and worked in God's army as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to others other armies. So it's really an interesting connection there. We'll talk about that. And then because it's a Monday, we will wrap up with Gail Buckley Behringer, and, of course, our Bible verse of the week. Remember, Bible is an acronym, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. We'll have a lot of news on the weather because it's still making headlines. Let's take a look at what's happening across the, across the country with the weather because it still might be some relief with some strong rains coming in. But right now, according to the National Weather Service, we have strong high pressure centered over Texas, producing high heat and humidity across the south-central U.S., we have strong showers and thunderstorms and locally heavy rain possible around the outer edges of the ridge, according to the Weather Service, and that's including the southwest and the high plains. And we have the Gulf Coast states in the southeast that are still impacted. So if you look at the map, you can see the parts of the country with the different colors, uh, very colorful in terms of the origin reds and what that means in terms of the weather. So not out of the woods yet. Hopefully some rains coming will cool things off a bit. But of course, we will keep you posted and updated on that. Appreciate you tuning in to EWTN. Again, check out the main page, EWTN.com. And don't forget that this particular program, Catholic Connection, is co-produced by Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. 
AveMariaRadio.net and EWTN.com. Almost four minutes past the hour on a busy Monday morning, July 31st. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started, shall we, with the news of the day. Well, that death toll continuing to rise after a suicide bombing at a political rally in Pakistan. Officials now say more than 50 people were killed, over 100 others hurt in Sunday's attack. So far, no one has claimed responsibility for the bombings at a Sunni political convention in the northwestern part of the country. Local authorities say more than 500 people were attending the convention at the time of the deadly bombing. Offering his customary catechesis on the Sunday Gospel, Devin Watkins reports from Rome that Pope Francis spoke about the Lord's parable of the merchant in search of pearls of great price, when upon finding one of great value, he goes and sells all he has to buy it. The Pope then described three actions of the merchant, which we can also put into practice in our own lives. He first seeks, then he finds, and finally he buys the precious pearl. The first action of the enterprising merchant, said the Pope, is to go out and seek precious pearls, which demonstrates his desire to cultivate dreams of good and search for something new. The Pope pointed out that the merchant was not simply satisfied with what he already had, but knew there were even greater possibilities. This curiosity and drive, he said, is what we need in seeking the newness of the Lord, because the Lord, he said, is not repetitive, but always making the realities of life new. While searching for the precious pearl, the merchant then finds what he is looking for, since he has a sharp eye and knows how to recognize the pearl of great value. Pope Francis likened it to the person who goes through a fascinating oriental market full of variety goods, carefully examining and discerning everything on display. The Pope said this methodic process of careful discernment offers a teaching for us in that we must also learn to discern what is good and precious. He said we need to seek what matters and is of value for our lives to train ourselves to see the precious gems of life from what is of no use or benefit. Let us not waste time and freedom on trivial things, said the Pope, pastimes that leave us empty inside while life offers us every day the precious pearl of the encounter with God and with others. The Pope then described the merchant's last action when he buys the pearl, selling and sacrificing everything he has, since he realizes its immense value has to be his only wealth, the meaning of his present and his future. This action speaks to us as well, the Pope explained, as we are invited to welcome the Lord Jesus, the precious pearl of our life, to be sought, found, and made one's own. The Pope said that when one encounters Christ, life changes and finds ultimate meaning in the embrace of God. And we'll be talking about the catechesis a little bit later on in the program in relationship to St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Francis of Assisi. A federal judge is blocking an Arkansas law that would ban libraries from distributing materials deemed obscene to children. U.S. District Judge Timothy Brooks issuing a preliminary injunction over the weekend after hearing oral arguments last week. The Arkansas Attorney General telling the Associated Press his office will be reviewing the judge's opinion and they will continue to vigorously defend the law. A separate lawsuit is challenging the Crawford County Library's decision to move children's books and include LGBTQ themes to a separate portion of the library. Supporters have said the measure is needed to protect children from obscene material. Mark Mayfeld tells us about a desperate search underway to find missing Americans in Haiti. The nonprofit group El Ra Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. 
It is just about seven minutes past the hour. We're going to take a little bit of an early break right now so we can spend more time on the Eucharist and talk a little bit more about that with our guest, Joe Heschmeyer. All about the Eucharist is really Jesus. That's coming up in about uh, four minutes or three minutes, actually. And then at the bottom of the hour, continuing that discussion. And then we are going to take a look at the lives of St. Ignatius of Loyola, whose feast day is today, and also the life of St. Francis of Assisi. So why are we connecting those two? I will explain. It has to do with them searching in their own very unique ways for, yes, you may have guessed it, the pearl of great price. But why are those two, in terms of the way they live their lives and what happened to them, related? One in Italy, the other obviously in Spain, but there is a beautiful connection between those two saints, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on in the program. And then we will wrap up with Gail Buckley and our scripture verse of the week. I really can't believe it's the last day of July already. Time is flying by so quickly. And don't forget, as I mentioned earlier, to stay in touch with everything that's going on in World Youth Day. Maybe you know some of the thousands of young people, at least one or two of them, that are going over there. And we'll be having updates on that and coverage. And Joan will have a lot on Wednesday. And, of course, EWTN News Nightly and all of our news outlets are covering that extensively all week long. We'll bring you the latest. We'll be right back. It is a Monday morning July 31st, 2023, and you're listening to EWTN. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. Tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to setonhome.org. That is setonhome.org. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Welcome to Spirit of Stewardship. Jeremy Belsky is your host for real-life stories, encouragement, and ideas to enhance your own gifts of work, wealth, and wisdom in response to God's blessings for you. I'm Jeremy Belsky, and today's topic is Stewardship of the Environment, God's Creation of Nature. When you hear the message, be a wise steward of your resources, 
Do you ever consider the role you play in your community environment? It's natural to think of time, talent, and treasure when stewardship is mentioned, but our faith teaches us that all is gift from God. Thus, respect for nature and doing our part to ensure a safe and clean environment is important. Here are just three areas we can pay more attention. A lot of action has been taken in recent years by nonprofits geared towards a cleaner environment. The first area of focus is to eliminate litter. Consider how your actions to pick up after yourself are pleasing to God. Be proud to do your part to keep your community and neighborhood clean. Secondly, look at ways to recycle and make the most out of your purchases. Does it matter to you that so much plastic consumes our landfills? Have you given thought as to how you can make a particular purchase last longer? Third, in a country filled with abundance, what's being done to ensure our nature and environment for the next generation? This is more than eating bread crust and cleaning off your plate. The root lies in not wasting what we've been given. There's a great deal of time and effort that goes into caring for our place of residence in addition to our possessions. Keeping up what is ours or giving our used possessions to the less fortunate are a couple of ways to be prudent stewards of our blessings from God. I'm Jeremy Belsky, your host for Spirit of Stewardship. To learn how you can better share your talents and resources, contact your local parish priest. Your level of involvement in the church now positively impacts our faith in the future. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. Of course, we're moving toward the beautiful Eucharistic Congress coming up next year. And bishops are have a beautiful, beautiful event planned, and we'll be covering that as well here on EW10. And one of the programs that really deals with the, the meeting, not only behind the Eucharist as source and summit of our faith, but beautiful apologetics every single day, of course, here on the EW10 Global Catholic Radio Network, Friends at Catholic Answers. And there's a new book out, The Eucharist Is Really Jesus?, and staff apologist Joe Heschmeyer is on the phone with us. Joe, thanks for joining us so much. I wanted to give you, I know we're a few minutes early, but I wanted to give you a little bit more time on this because it's so important when we see so many surveys that come out and show a declining interest. We had the survey that came out last week from Gallup saying fewer people believe in heaven, hell, God, angels, the devil. And of course, we know the statistics on Catholics who believe and don't believe in the real presence. So obviously this book is geared toward really building on hopefully a renewed interest in the Eucharist, correct? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it is. So give us a little bit of detail. What What is in this book in terms of what's different from other books that are out there on, on the Eucharist? Yeah, so there are a certain number of really good books that explain what do Catholics believe about the Eucharist and why. But I wanted to go beyond that. And I, so I want to do that, of course. But I also want to say, how does getting the Eucharist right help us to get everything else right that we mm. believe? So, you know, for instance, uh, you'll hear talk about, like, the covenant, or, or, you know, we refer to the books of the New Testament as the New Testament. And people might be like, well, what is the Testament? What is the covenant? And what does it all have to do with the Eucharist? Or, to, to take another example, you've got a lot of, like, bloody sacrifices of animals in the Old Testament, and the cross is really bloody. What's going on with all of that? How do we, you know, the, you can look at those pieces by themselves and just say, I don't get it. This doesn't make a lot of sense. But one of the things I argue in the book is that if you get the Eucharist right, these pieces, you can start to put them together, and they start to make a lot more sense. And these things that seem maybe unrelated actually fit together nicely and make sense of one another. Do you think this is true? I think it's true. This is my personal experience, that it's across the board with other core teachings of the Church. When you get the Eucharist, things fall into place? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is actually what the Church teaches. So in the Second Vatican Council, the Eucharistic sacrifice is referred to as the source and summit of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. In calling it the summit, we're calling it the highest point. This is, this is the most important thing to get right in a real way, that this is the high point of my life as a Christian. But in calling it the source, I'm saying everything else flows from it. So this is really the, the big one to get right, and if you get this right, then you'll get the other stuff right, too. And if you don't get this right, then you're going to have a deficient understanding of that other stuff as well. How did you come to truly appreciate the Eucharist as Source and Summit? What happened in your life, and, and what prompted, I'm sure some of that, is why you wrote the book? Yeah, I mean, I, I have, I, I've had a devotion to Christ in the Eucharist uh, for, you know, years and years. And it was something that, you know, my parents did a great job of instilling a a belief in the real presence in us. But a lot of times, you know, I, I, it was like a, a doctrine that was out here, and there were some other doctrines I believed in, but I didn't necessarily see what was connecting them. And uh, <laughs> I used to be in seminary, and while I was there, I was stationed at the cathedral in Tallinn, Estonia, which is a tiny country right next to Russia. And uh, I was invited to give a series of talks uh, to the missionaries of charity. And so I was told on Monday I was going to be giving three one-hour-long talks uh, beginning literally the next day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I found out Monday evening, okay, you're going to be talking with the Eucharist tomorrow for an hour to the missionaries of charity who know all of the bases. You, you, know, <laughs> you don't have to go in there and say, hey, let me tell you about the real presence. Right, yeah. They do a, an hour of adoration every day. They don't need me to do that. So I, I went right before the Blessed Sacrament and thought, what could I possibly say to these women that they wouldn't already be able to just give me a master's course then themselves? And what I came away with was this scene in the book of Revelation, that there's a scroll with seven seals, and no one in heaven, on earth, or under the earth can open it. And, and then John, he, he begins to weep, and he's told, don't weep, because the Lion of Judah will open it. But in the next verse, we don't see a lion, we see Jesus as the Lamb. And we're told that he's the lamb standing as though slain. And it's this great paradox. He's both the lion and the lamb, but it's also that he's slain but still standing. And it's, it's this deeply Eucharistic image that Christ, while slain, triumphs, but also that Christ is our paschal lamb who's been sacrificed. Well, paschal means Passover. So 1 Corinthians 15 makes this connection. Right. That in calling Christ the lamb of God, we should be thinking back to the Passover. So in other words... Once you see Jesus in this Eucharistic way, that sort of unlocks everything else. The, the other scrolls are open. And, and so you see images like this. The other one I'd point to is in uh, Luke, uh, that after the resurrection, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is explaining yeah. to the two travelers on the road all of the things concerning him. But they, even as he's explaining how all of these things fit together, they still don't get it. Don't they recognize still don't him. realize yeah. that it's mm-hmm. Jesus. Right. When do they recognize him? They recognize him in the breaking of the bread. That's how Luke puts it, that when they go to table and Jesus takes and blesses and breaks the bread, that's when they realize, oh, it's Jesus, and then he disappears from their Right, right. And only then do they realize we're not our hearts burning within us, that now all of those pieces that Jesus had been laying out for them, this is the light bulb moment, in this kind of Eucharistic moment, that now they get what's going on and, and they can see it. Yeah, and, and he leaves them in that bodily form, but then there he is in the Eucharist. 
Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's some debate about whether this is literally the Eucharist, but it's definitely very Eucharistic language. The, the four verbs that he uses there in Luke 24, that he takes, blesses, and breaks, and gives, these are the same four, or, same four verbs that are used in the Eucharistic institution. And, and this is a very ritual-sounding thing. You know, Luke is not worried that we don't know how to eat bread. You know, like he doesn't give us four verbs to describe the breaking of bread, because he's like, well, I want to make sure they know that they weren't eating an entire loaf. No, they, mm-hmm. he, we know that. So it's, it's this incredibly Eucharistic kind of formula, and only in the light of that, only like as, as we see Jesus there, now they have the pieces to realize how all the Old Testament fits in with the New Testament, which is what Jesus had been explaining to them on the road. Yeah, powerful. We're talking with Joe Heschmeyer from Catholic Answers, and the book is Eucharist is Really Jesus. In terms of for those who struggle with with a belief, it, when you when you sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament and you're looking at the monstrance and you're thinking about, okay, that's God. That is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That is the Great I Am. I mean, that's it's it is overwhelming to think of that. And so I wonder if that is some of the struggle because it's like, how can that be the God of the universe? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things I go back to here is. The, the adoration of the Magi, that they come and they, they go down and they worship a baby. And they had just had the same kind of like, well, this is weird, kind of, you know, yeah. logically, I can, I can know all signs point to this being the Messiah and the God of the universe. But it's just a level of, of feeling. <laughs> you just got to say, mm-hmm. okay, well, there's, there's more than meets the eye here. And, and the Church Fathers actually talk about this, too. St. Ambrose has uh, a really good passage on this, where he says, basically, like, why, look, if you believe in the virgin birth, and why would you expect him to behave according to the general rules of matter? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to say, right. yeah, Christ can be born of a virgin against all the ordinary laws of nature, but he can't come to us in the Eucharistic way, because that would be against the ordinary laws of nature. It's like, well, he's already shown himself to be superior to those. Mm-hmm. But, like, why, <laughs> his body from the beginning broke those rules or, you know, was above those rules. So so it makes sense that his body coming to us now isn't going to be bound by those rules in the same way that you or I would be. Why do you think, and we know the survey, so many Catholics don't believe in the real presence and still see it as a symbol? I think there's a couple of reasons. There's a really strong correlation between belief in the real presence and mass attendance. So, you know, the famous study a few years ago, which found that like two-thirds of Catholics don't believe in the real presence. Well, when you break that down to weekly mass goers, it was more like a 90-10 belief. And so mm. that still could be better, but it, it, one of the things we, we need to keep in mind there is a lot of the people who are being counted as Catholic haven't darkened the doorstep of a Catholic church in, in years. And so a lot of the things we're trying to do to respond, like, oh, we need better preaching on the Eucharist, etc., well, that's not going to reach those people because they're literally not there. But... If it is a two-way street. If we don't have good Eucharistic theology, and if we don't have the other thing I'd bring in here, if we don't have a good liturgy that points to the beauty and reverence and transcendence about what we believe, then people aren't going to believe in the Eucharist, and they're going to stop going. So right. some people don't believe in the Eucharist because they don't go to church. Some people don't go to church because they don't believe in the Eucharist. So these two things are intimately connected. And because, if you know, if you don't have the belief in the real presence— and you don't see a difference between what we're doing at Mass and what the non-denominational church down the street is doing, then you're going to start looking to the other things, like, well, who's got better preaching? Who's got better music? And nine times Mm -hmm. out of ten, I don't think the Catholic Church is going to win those fights. 
Right. Because that's not what our liturgy is built on. Yeah, it's built on the Eucharist. The book is Eucharist is Really Jesus, How Christ's Body and Blood Are Key to Everything We Believe. And actually, it's brand new, hot off the presses. Uh, It just came out late last month. It's about a month out there. And get a copy of it. We're talking with staff apologist Joe Heschmeyer, uh, who's the author of this beautiful book. I also think if you if you read scripture, it's it's kind of like I was thinking about this in relationship to learning a language, that ev- even if you learn that language when you're younger, which is a good age to learn a language, they say, if you don't practice it, if you're not immersed in that or the culture or using it over and over again, just like anything else, you're going to lose it. So if we don't learn more about our faith, if we're not, okay, if we're going to mass every week and meeting our obligation, praise God, but that's just the minimum amount of things we should be doing, right? If we're not living the faith you know, between like Monday through Friday before we get to Mass on the weekend, if we're not reading Scripture, if we're not praying, if we're not going to adoration, then you're not going to, to feel that fullness of the faith. Would you agree with oh, that? Oh, yeah. I mean, if someone told you they were having problems in their marriage, and you said, how often do you spend time together? And they said, oh, I see her about an hour a week. Mm-hmm. Said, I, think, I think I found the problem. You're not right. spending nearly enough time together. So would this be, is this book basically for personal reading, Joe, or is it something you could do in a study? What do you think? It's built for both. And we actually, if you go to shop.catholic.com, you can get, you know, uh, I think it's 20 books for $70, which is like $3.50 a book. Like we, we've tried to make it as easy as possible uh, to make it so you can either read it by yourself or you can read it in a group. Every chapter is really topically broken out. And mm-hmm. so that would be like the, the you know, the easy chunks to do with one another you wouldn't have to say yeah. well how where should we break it off like the, the chapters are divided up topically so the you know if you were to do it as a bible study or a small group or whatever else that's great so a great resource it's going to be good for both both uses we'll be right back more with joe and his book the eucharist is really jesus and we come back on a monday morning stay tuned 25 minutes past the hour Are mobile phones dangerous? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our phones have become an extension of our physical bodies, and they emit radiation. Where you routinely place, hold, or store your phone on your body is critical. Energy emitted from radio frequency exposure can be absorbed by the body and potentially harmful. Apple recommends customers using its latest iPhones try the hands-free options like built-in speaker phones and headphones to reduce exposure. Android-type phones top the list of phones giving off the most radiation. Keep all brands of phones away from your ear and head when possible. Men should store a phone in a pant pocket. Women should keep their phone in a purse, pant pocket, but not in their bra. I didn't know this was a thing. Practice social distancing from phones. Like fasting from food, maybe it's time for a digital detox. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Father Benedict Groeschel. I often go back to my childhood. In church, we love to be reverent. To Christ present in the Eucharist. To Christ on the cross. But I was also impressed by the reverence of my friends in the Salvation Army. They had a little band. And I used to walk past the band on Sunday morning on my way to church. And I was just a child. But I said, you know, they're trying to pray to God. They're showing reverence to God. All this was reverence. Now what do I see? I hear one irreverence after another. 
And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular, and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. No class. Absolutely no class. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. The Eucharist is really Jesus. Amen to that. How Christ's body and blood are the key to everything we believe. Everything. And it makes a lot of sense if you think and pray about this. And the author of that book is our guest this morning. So grateful to have two segments with Joe Heschmeyer. He's a staff apologist with Catholic Answers. And, of course, great program. Heard live daily here on EWTN Radio. Okay, gosh, so many things I, I want to discuss with you. I do really like the fact that you say in this subtitle, how Christ's body and blood are the key to everything we believe. Because once you get that, because it's everything, it's a source and summit of the faith, it flows naturally. If you believe in the Eucharist, if you believe it is body, blood, soul, divinity, then you should not have any problem with what Jesus is teaching us elsewhere in the church. And I really think it's interesting to bring that up with people because they want to go to communion, they want to receive Jesus, but they also want to believe in certain things such as birth control or abortion, or they want to believe in so-called same-sex marriage, but they still want to receive the Eucharist. Those two do not jive. Can you explain that a little bit? Because are they really accepting who Jesus says he is? Because if you're accepting the Eucharist, you're saying, yes, I believe that's Jesus, but I don't believe the other stuff. I want to go down the line, you know, the cafeteria line of Catholicism and pick what I want and don't want. Yeah, this is, I think, a really important thing to bear in mind. I mean, imagine somebody at the time of Jesus, maybe listening to the Sermon on the Mount, and they're saying, oh, yeah, that part's really exciting. That part makes a lot of sense. Maybe this challenges me a little bit. And then he says something else, and they say, ah, you know what? I don't want to be a peacemaker. I don't want to forgive my enemies. I'll accept 80% of what he's got here. I'm going to reject it at 20%. You'd look at that person and say, you're not really following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, you're taking him the way you would take any other thinker in the world. Or, you know, you might have a favorite op-ed columnist or a public intellectual or a university professor who you just say, like, oh, yeah, I like a lot of what they have to say, but every now and then we part company. And that's appropriate to do with someone who's on your level as another human teacher. That's totally inappropriate to do with the God of the universe. And to say, God, I think you're getting this about 80% right, you know, I'll explain the other 20% to you later. Uh, that, <laughs> that attitude completely misunderstands who we are and who God is. And if that's true of our relationship with Jesus, that we shouldn't be picking and choosing which parts we're going to either trust Jesus or don't trust Jesus, but don't pretend that he's just a human teacher. You can pick and choose, you know, which parts you want to accept and which parts you don't, because he's very clearly more than that and and very clearly won't let you accept 80% of his teaching. So if that's true of him, Christ the head, then we should also take that seriously of, of his body, the Church, because he tells us that he's the one who gives us the church. So there, right. there is this intimate relationship between receiving Jesus in the body of Christ in the Eucharist and receiving Jesus in the body of Christ the church. These two are, are really closely connected. St. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 10. He says that we are one body because we partake of the one loaf. Now, that doesn't literally mean a loaf of bread. It isn't like there's a loaf of bread that Paul and the Christians in Corinth and all the Christians in the world are... You know, they just pass this one loaf of bread around. No, clearly not. The one loaf is Jesus in the Eucharist. And we all partake of the Eucharist, and that makes us one body. So the body of Christ, the Church, is formed by 
the body of Christ, the Eucharist. And so when you're saying yes to Jesus in the Eucharist, you're not just saying yes to Jesus the head, you're also saying yes to the body of Christ, the Church. And if you actually are only 80% on board saying, I think the Church is wrong, I don't agree with the Church, you can't make that yes in good faith. Right. Uh, you know, in the same way, if you're 80% sure you want to marry somebody, you can't stand at the altar and say, I do, I'm, I'm going to do this. Because make up your mind. Like, you're either in or you're out. Uh, and, and so that's what I would say to people who, who want to receive the Eucharist while not agreeing with the Catholic Church. And you know, bear in mind, this is not just me. This is not just some modern Catholic thing, anything like this. St. Paul, I just mentioned 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 Corinthians 11. 11, 11, 27. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. He, he warns about damning ourselves by receiving without discerning the body. Now, that means both in the Unworthily. Right. the real mm-hmm. presence of Christ, yep. but we should also discern the body, the Church, as we're receiving the Eucharist. It, the Eucharist creates our communion with the Church in its deepest way. And that's why it's the highest of what are called the sacraments of initiation, that baptism and confirmation point towards the reality of communion in the Eucharist. This is why we call it communion. It's communion with God, it's also communion with one another. Mm-hmm. So if we're not ready for this, that's not what we're wanting to have, then don't do the action in this bodily way that says we want communion. In the same way that, you know, if a couple is saying, I'm 80% on board, you don't bodily commune with each other. Like, <laughs> be 100% on board, get right. everything right, and then you can experience this kind of communion. And so I'd say, you know, this Justin Martyr, uh, in the book of year 160, in a letter called The First Apology, this is an apology like the sense. He talks about this. He, he says there's three things that you need to be baptized with the washing of regeneration. You have to believe what we teach, and you have to live according to it. And that's the same standards we look for today. You have to be baptized, you have to be in the Catholic Church, and you have to be living in what we say in a state of grace. You're not living in a way contrary to the faith. And I also think it's important if we're saying yes to the Eucharist, as you just said, and that's huge. If you're saying no to other parts of core teachings of the Church, you are doing the the bad thing that that Saint Paul talks about in eleven twenty Corinthians eleven twenty seven, as you're receiving the body and blood of Jesus unworthily, and so you're condemning yourself by going up there and saying, you know, I'm half in, I'm not all in, you know, I've got one foot in and one foot out. The other thing too that I think is is super important is if we have problems with the various teachings of the church, okay, how much time have we spent going before the Blessed Sacrament saying, Jesus, I don't get this, help me understand, I you know, I. I believe, help me in my unbelief. And that's okay to have the questions, but to outright reject the teaching on abortion or birth control or marriage, and then still say, I want to receive the Eucharist, you you can't do that, period. But you also have to have this process while you're learning more about it and understanding why the church teaches what she teaches and read the documents, read the encyclicals, read the catechism. It's so helpful. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good distinction that you just made, that it's okay to have questions and it's okay to have confusions. And there's something even very humble about that, right. where you just say, you know, you're God and I'm not, and there's a lot of this stuff that I don't get. And that's appropriate. But when you say, because I don't get it, therefore God is wrong, mm-hmm. that's, that's where it becomes inappropriate. That's the difference between a question and a doubt. Right. You know, right. are you saying God is not good because he doesn't agree with your human reason, or are you saying my human reason is inadequate? I can see a little bit, but there's a lot more that I, I don't really understand. And then you, you pray about trying to grow in that clarity and understanding, but you can still trust Him even when you're confused. You can say, you know, if I were God, I think I would believe X, Y, and Z instead, but I'm not. And so right. I'll, I'll believe the things God says. 
No, because on the one hand, you're saying you totally accept what the church teaches about Jesus in the Eucharist, but then the other stuff, well, they made a mistake. I, I know better, which goes back, of course, to, to pride, which is, you know, the, the, our sin in terms of we think we know better than God, and we're seeing this all over the place. Boy, Joe, we need like three more segments. This is a great discussion. Thank you so much. There's so many other questions I wanted to ask you, but hopefully we can have you back. The book is Eucharist is Really Jesus, How Christ's Body and Blood Are the Key to everything we believe. Now, this is so timely, and this would be great, right, to get in preparation for the big celebration of the Eucharistic Congress next year, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the things, you know, we're, like, we're releasing it right now on, on purpose. There's a little under a year left in, in this Eucharistic kind of preparation for the Congress, and that we really want this growing appreciation, a growing amazement uh, of the Eucharist. And, and I'm hoping this book will help people as a I'm sure it will. You can find it on the Religious Catalog. Also, of course, on the Catholic Answers website, catholic.com. Check it out. And also, take a look at the story on the Register that was just published this weekend on the Bishop in Honduras confirming another Eucharistic miracle there. Incredible story. Incredible. And it's been confirmed now by the Church as National Catholic Register reports in that area of Honduras. We'll be right back. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. St. Jose Maria Escriva says that we are called to light up the pathways of this earth by being sowers of peace and joy. This comes from being aware that we are sons and daughters of God. On the road of life, though, we find dangers, but God walks with us every step of our life, pouring out the gifts of His Holy Spirit upon us. Our Lady is our companion, like GPS in our car, connected to the cloud and bringing the latest updates to help us navigate our journey and get out of traffic on the way to the eternal kingdom. We don't want to get into family fights on our way to God's vacation destination, but we should be these sowers of peace and joy. We shouldn't accept substitutes, accept only the authentic identity of being His children, His sons and daughters. Let's grow in happiness and bring peace to those around us. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. Time is God's creation. He actualizes His plan of salvation in time and in space. We live at that interface between time and eternity, and that is never more visible to us as in the liturgy, where heaven touches earth. That's where our attention catches a glimpse of eternity. And then, unfortunately, the the veil falls too quickly back over our eyes, time passes, memory fades, willpower weakens, our attention gets restless and flitters uh, between the urgent and the important, trivial, the profound. In and of itself, time serves nothing. It improves nothing. But through the church calendar, Christ is restructuring time to assist in our sanctification. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Beautiful Monday morning, July 31st, 2023, and doing your best to stay cool. I know it's a hot in a lot of parts of the country. Stay tuned to EWTN all day long for great programming and information. And, of course, uh, coming up right after this segment on St. Ignatius and St. Francis and how I believe they're tied together, and it's tied to the gospel message of the Pope yesterday, we're going to be seeing another 
segment with Gail Buckley on her Scripture Verse of the Week from Catholic Scripture Study International, which is another way to stay close to Jesus. We should be in the Scriptures every single day, and it's so easy to do that. Get yourself a good devotional. Go on our website, AveMariaRadio.net, EWTN.com, USCCB.org, all kinds of places where you can find the daily readings, or just download a particular app on your phone and stay in touch with the church. If you can't get to Mass every day, I know that's not easy for everyone. You can certainly be in contact with the Universal Church and with God through the Bible, basic instructions before leaving Earth. Okay. You know how much I love the saints if you listen to this program on a regular basis. And so intrigued by the story of St. Ignatius of Loyola, whose feast day is today. Catholic Answers, or Catholic News Agency, excuse me, has a beautiful, beautiful story about St. Ignatius, a new story about him, and why he is a patron saint of soldiers. And it ties in directly to the message of the Holy Father yesterday regarding searching for the pearl of great price. So let me just review a summary of the Holy Father's catechesis first, because I want to do that because it sets the stage for what we're going to be talking about and the connection between these soldiers who actually were in the army, St. Ignatius and St. Francis, and how their two journeys are very similar. So you can find a couple of really good stories about the um, Angelus message, of course, at Catholic News Agency and the Register, also Vatican News as a full report. I'm reading from the Vatican News story. At the Sunday Angelus, Pope Francis speaks about the importance of seeking the Lord, discovering the treasure of his boundless love, and always welcoming him into our lives. Offering his customary catechesis on the Sunday Gospel, the Holy Father is speaking about Jesus' parable, the merchant in search of precious pearls. When finding one of great value, he goes and sells all he has to buy it. The Pope then described three actions of the merchant that we can also put into practice of our own life, seeking, finding, and then purchasing the precious pearl. So the Holy Father is encouraging us to seek with curiosity. He says a first action of the enterprising merchant to go out and seek precious pearls demonstrates his desire to cultivate dreams of good and search for something new. As a merchant was not just simply satisfied with what he already had, but knew there were even greater possibilities. The Pope goes on to say, while searching for the precious pearl, the merchant then finds what he is looking for, as he has a sharp eye and knows how to recognize a pearl of great value. The Pope says he likened it to the person who goes through a fascinating market full of a variety of goods, carefully examining and discerning everything on display. This process of careful discernment offers a teaching for us and that we also must discern what is good and precious that we were talking about just a few minutes ago with Joe in terms of really discerning the teachings of the church before dismissing them saying, oh, I don't agree with that. Oh yeah, I want to receive the Eucharist. I believe it's Jesus and I want that, but I don't want the rest of the stuff. He said, we need to seek what matters and is of value for our lives to train ourselves to see the precious gems of life from what is of no use or benefit. And the Pope goes on to say, let us not waste time and freedom on trivial things pastimes that leave us empty inside while life offers us every day the precious pearl of the encounter with God and with others. The Pope then describes the merchant's last action when he buys the pearl selling and sacrificing everything he has as he realizes its immense value has to be his only wealth the meaning of his present and his future. The action speaks to us as well the Pope explained as we are invited to welcome the Lord the precious pearl of life to be sought found and made one's own. The Pope said, when one encounters Christ, life changes, and it finds ultimate meaning in the embrace of God's love. Okay, so how does this tie into St. Ignatius of Loyola? Well, as I mentioned, there's a really great story on Catholic News Agency, 
which was posted today. And of course, we know St. Ignatius was the founder of the Jesuits, the largest religious order in the world, one of them, and the author of the spiritual exercises. He's also the patron saint of soldiers. And why was he the patron saint of soldiers? Well, he actually wanted to be a warrior. By all accounts, Ignatius embraced his life heartily and seemed to have enjoyed it. He was even knighted in 1517 and known as a noble and rugged fighter. Okay? Now, there was a situation that he encountered, a very dangerous one, when he was stationed at a particular location where they were repelling an invading French force that had dramatically superior numbers. Ignatius and his companions held the fortress until he was struck by a cannonball that shattered his leg. Ignatius was carried home to Loyola where he underwent a painful operation in an attempt to reset and heal his leg. Though he chose to undergo a second procedure to try to restore the leg, he was never fully healed and he is said to have walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Now it was during, as Catholic News Agency reports, this terrible low point in his life, bedridden and desperately bored, he began reading the only books available to him, a book on the life of Christ and another on the lives of the saints. In reading the works, Ignatius came to reflect on his own life and worldly ambitions. Ambitions. He came to realize that all of his exploits seeking earthly glory were vain attempts to fill a void. And think about what the Pope just told us, how your life changes when you accept Jesus. A void that can only truly be filled by God. Ignatius likely felt convicted by the same question he later posed to St. Francis Xavier. What will it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? By the time he was healed enough to leave his bed, the trajectory of his life entirely changed. Rather than attempting to continue chasing after his own glory, Ignatius resolved to become a champion for Christ for the glory of God. So this is a great example of searching, right, for that pearl of great price and true meaning for our lives as opposed to be involved in something that doesn't satisfy us, as the Pope mentioned, worldly gains, right, and focusing on me, myself, and I. Then we come to the beautiful life of St. Francis of Assisi. I'm sure many of you have had the beautiful example of or experience of going to the Umbrian town of Assisi, which is just caught in time in terms of just that never seems to change. It's still just so beautiful and so peaceful. And by the way, we're going there in November. We still have some spots left for our La Dolce Fide, the sweet life of faith. And we're spending, I think, two nights at least in Assisi. So there is a statue, if you've been there, or maybe if you've seen pictures of the Basilica online or seen some of the coverage on EW10, a picture of St. Francis in front of the Basilica to the right of the Tau Cross, the big Tau Cross that's cut out in, on, on the lawn there. And there's this beautiful statue of him on a horse with his head bowed down. It's called the Return of Francis or Il Ritorno di Francesco. It's a sculpture in a modern style of the saint and it was put there in 2005. It stands outside the Basilica and the inscription on the bronze plaque features a quote from the legend of the three companions describing a pivotal moment in the life of Francis. Lord, what do you want me to do? Go back to your city and you will be told what you must do. At the break of day, Francis, with his reformed inner self, desired only to conform to the will of God. During his lifetime, Francis had many dreams, one of them prompting him to become a knight and join the papal army. Pursuant to that vision, Francis bought armor and a horse and embarked on a voyage to Rome. At some point along the way, he stopped for a night in Spoleto, which is a town, by the way, in Umbria, worth, worth visiting. It's amazing. Where he had another dream in which God spoke to him and asked what he was doing. 
and he told Francis of the need to serve God and not the army. Now, this is a story that we often don't hear. We're very familiar with the story of the San Damiano Cross speaking to Francis and saying, rebuild my church. But a lot of the, the really, I think, pivotal moments in Francis's life also occurred here when he's realizing that he has to join God's army and not do something that he thought he should do. Needless to say, the would-be knight feared the prospect of riding back to Assisi where he might face the family's scorn for cowardice, leaving the army and evading the dangers of battle. One can easily read the emotions of an idealistic youth, his hopes and dreams shattered. The statue depicts a future saint in a humble state, predating his becoming a monk, slumped down in his saddle with his head and shoulders drooping and his low spirits well echoed in the horse. But I see this not as a negative, not as something sad, but as something beautiful and humbling and a reminder for us to do exactly what the Pope is talking about in the Angelus message yesterday. Are we seeking what is really going to make us happy? And the only thing that is going to make us happy at the end of the day is surrendering to God's will for our life. So surrendering to Christ and surrendering to his will, not our will. What do I want to do? No, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that line reminds me of the poem, in prayer from another great saint, my patron, St. Teresa of Avila, in the hands of God. I was yours, I was made for you. What do you want me to do? Not here's what I want, which is how I live my life. And when I did pray, which wasn't very often before I came back to the church, okay, here's my plan. This is what I want to do. And now if you just put your you know, rubber stamp of approval on it, we'll be besties. No, it doesn't work that way. You may have particular desires on your heart and doesn't mean that they're bad, right? You may have a great desire. Maybe you want to be a missionary. Maybe you want to do something. Who knows? But is that what the Lord wants you to do? We always have to take our plans to the Lord to make sure, as the Holy Father tells us, that we are truly finding the pearl of great price. So I believe not only St. Ignatius of Loyola, but St. Francis of Assisi, who became soldiers for God in God's army, are a great example of that gospel message in terms of truly finding that pearl of great price. 49 minutes past the hour. We'll be right back with Gail Buckley on a Monday. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. As a Catholic dad, I know how frustrating parenting can be, but it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Dr. Greg Popcheck from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting faithful parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert support with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to the personalized expert support you'll get as a premium member of CatholicHOM.com, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along with each other and love the Lord, downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, a supportive community of faithful Catholic parents, and tons of other benefits, like my Bedatitudes podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. 
People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Welcome back, Catholic Connection, wrapping up uh, Monday morning. And our verse, oh, Gail, I love this verse. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Do tell. Good morning. Good morning, T. Yes, I just heard you talking about the Pearl of Great Price. Yep. So uh, this fits sort of in with that. Um, the, our verse today is John uh, chapter 10, verse 10. It says that thief comes to only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Mm-hmm. And, of course, these are the words of Jesus, of course. And, and he speaks, you know, he's speaking about Satan. Uh, the devil wants to steal our joy and destroy us, and he's very subtle. Satan offers us, you know, these pleasures, and but they're temporary pleasures, and they, they usually cause us to sin and break our communion with God and ultimately will destroy us. But God, you know, uh, God gave us commands not to keep us from having fun, but, you know, to protect us from falling into sin and being trapped by the evil one. Just as any good parent, you know, a good parent, our parents make rules for us that, that, you know, don't play with fire and don't play in the street and don't drink alcohol and drive. And that's because they love us. You know, parents love their children. They want them to be happy. And they want them to have fun, but they don't want them to get hurt and they don't want them to die. And God feels the same way. You know, he, even more so, he died for us. He loved us so much. He loves us so much. So, you know, people might ask, well, you know, if God lo- loves us and wants us to be happy and joyful and have this abundant life, well, why is there misery? Why is there struggles and illnesses, you know? Having an abundant life doesn't depend on things like that. It doesn't right. mean more riches, more power, you know, a great job and things like that. We know that, Teresa, as Christians. Abundant life means believing that God is working for our good that no matter what is taken away from us or mm-hmm. what the circumstances are, the abundant life he will give us is not just a short lifespan here on earth filled with things that will rot and corrode and fade away, but he offers us an eternal life of joy and peace and love and happiness that we could never even imagine. Yeah, and I think and we, we only look at this verse for as heaven, right, which is, of course, part of it, but God does give right. us the abundant life here on earth. And doesn't yes. mean that when you surrender your life to God, and you and I are examples of that, that everything's going to be all misery and drudgery because he has another plan for us that's going to make us even happier. That's right. Here on earth, an abundant life, you know, consists of love and peace and joy and the rest of the fruits of the Spirit, not an abundance of stuff. You know, genuine abundant living comes from joy and gratitude towards what we have, and you know, not wishing for or pursuing what the world claims we need. You know, uh, for a Christian, fullness of life is not measured in terms of wealth or power or prestige, but seeking after God and His goodness. You know, St. Peter tells us in Second Peter 3.18, I believe it is, he says we must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, when you're a Christian, you have that that peace in your life, that peace that only Christ can give us, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, that um, having an abundant life doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want to, right. especially sin 
you know, Teresa, one time my husband was on a pro-life um, um, website, and he, this woman came on there who was pro-choice, and he, he said something to her about, well, God's life, you know, is created by God. And he, she said, well, God said he was going to give us an abundant life, and he gave me an abundant life by letting me get an abortion so Ugh. that I could have an abundant life. Oh, my gosh, what mm. a perversion. But I'll have God to pray for her. Absolutely, absolutely. And Michelle Williams, of course, too, said something like that when she won the Academy Award. Yeah. We have to pray mm-hmm. for her and anyone that says that, that, that you know, thinks that they're, they just don't know. But yeah. knowing God gives us an abundant life. Having God in our life gives us an abundance of life because we have that internal love and joy and peace in our, in our lives that only God can give. Amen, us. Gail. Got to go out of time. Don't want you to get cut off. Go to Catholic Scripture Study, CSSprogram.net. Talk to you tomorrow on Domani. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio dot net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.